The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit, and the fellowship of the saints be with you all. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Practice Resurrection. It's good to be with you all in this way. My name is Stephen Birkenpass, and I'm the lead pastor at Living Hope Christian Reformed Church. And my name is Jay Jansen. I'm the pastoral elder at Highland Community Church. Welcome to the last of our series of Lenten Reflections on the last seven words of Jesus. As we pray, read scripture, and engage with some exercises together, we trust that we'll find ourselves image bearers of God who are more fully alive human beings. We encourage you to have at hand the liturgy that accompanies this recording. Download the PDF file or navigate to it on your device, or print off a hard copy. I also invite you to light a candle as a sign that God is present with you in spirit. If you're with kids, maybe let them do the honors. In the silence that follows, go ahead and pause your playback device to gather those things. When you're ready, press play and we'll continue. Now that you're all set, let's gather ourselves and greet Emmanuel, the God who is always present to us, with this song. Teach us to number our days That we may apply our hearts to your ways Oh, teach us to number our days With wisdom and grace Wisdom and grace, wisdom and grace, wisdom and grace. You've been our home and our dwelling, our place in all generations. Before the earth and the mountains were formed, you are God. Just to number our days, but we may apply our hearts to your ways. Oh, teach us to number our days with wisdom and grace, wisdom and grace, wisdom and grace, wisdom and grace. Now the span of our sorrow and labor as the days pass away like the grass as soon we are gone teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to your ways oh teach us to number our Thank you. 
Set your favor upon us Oh, establish the work of our hands May your kingdom come And teach us to number our days That we may apply our hearts to your will I played a lot of sports growing up. Often coaches would focus on building particular skills. Uh, when I got to college, I had a coach that had a different take, emphasizing trust. His understanding was that when we practice as a team, we're not simply working on our own individual skills. We're also building trust. We're showing each other that we know how to perform the right skills, building trust in one another so that when the going gets tough, we can respond with confidence as a team. Can you think of a time where you've had to trust someone or something? What did that feel like? In today's Bible reading, Jesus on the cross responds with words of incredible trust. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. These are not random words that Jesus thinks of. This is a direct quote from Psalm 35. As you hear the story, what do you imagine Jesus felt? It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. In the silence that follows, pause your playback device and take a few moments to let the Word of God sink in. Let the Spirit draw your attention to certain words, images, thoughts, and feelings. In Jesus' last words in Luke's Gospel, trust comes to the forefront, where Matthew and Mark record Jesus speaking the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Luke records other words that Jesus speaks from the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This is because Luke is emphasizing something different in his telling of the Gospel story. His focus is not so much on feeling alienation as much as it is the faithfulness of Jesus in the midst of his darkest moment. Jesus perfectly inhabits the story of a person whose will is one with God's. This is a trust that has been built over time. Jesus is not just performing a skill. These are not just polished words that come to his mind, words that are about theological ideas. He's living into something that has been formed deeply in his prayer life. The words speak of relationship. He comes as one dependent on, 
not just a distant God in the clouds, but the God that he comes to as Father. This is not the first time that Jesus has put his full trust into God's will. Reading through the Gospel of Luke, we find Jesus speaking of following God's will on a number of occasions. Notably, in Luke 22, we find Jesus' anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane does not turn him away from God, but draws him to pray even more fervently. Now, from the cross, Jesus brings his fervent prayers before God, and when he does, he quotes Psalm 35, a psalm that directs towards a deep trust in God as Savior and Redeemer. In saying these words, Jesus uses the language that has been set before him. Rather than coming up with his own words, Jesus speaks old words, which shows that he is part of the old, old story. His trust comes in the form of a well-practiced speaking of God's trust again and again. His trust comes from the recognition that God is the one who is faithful and always will be faithful. In a book called Prayer in the Night, released just this past year, pastor and author Tish Harrison Warren reflects on the trust that we rehearse and how it impacts us in our hardest moments. Thinking back to a painful and tragic time where she was in the hospital, she writes, and this is a bit of a longer quote, but I think it's worth reading in full. She says, I had to decide again in that moment when I didn't know how things would turn out, whether these things I preached about God loving me and being for me were true. Yet, I was bone weary. I was heartbroken. I could not conjure up spontaneous and ardent faith. My decision about whether to trust God wasn't merely an exercise of cognition. I wasn't trying to pass some Sunday school pop quiz. I was trying to enter into truth that was large enough to hold my own frailty, vulnerability, and weak faith a truth as deniable as it is definite. In that moment in the hospital, I was not trying to express my faith, to announce my wavering devotion to a room full of busy nurses, nor was I trying to call down my sky fairy to come save me. Through prayer, I dared to believe that God was in the midst of my chaos and pain, Whatever was to come, I was reaching for a reality that was larger and more enduring than what I felt in the moment. This is the type of trust that we are called towards in our Christian journeys. A trust that calls beyond the chaos and the pain that we feel or experience in the moment and depend on how God anchors us into the big story of salvation. It was about claiming a faith that was large enough to hold her frailty. I wonder what we can learn from this. In our spaces of anguish, are we the types of people who could quote Psalm 35? Would we even know that these are the words of Psalm 35? Of course, we are called to come before God honestly with all our emotions and our feelings. But here we have a testimony of help 
that can be in speaking the words and singing the songs that anchor us when we don't know what else to say. As we reflect on this, here are some things that you can practice with a family member or someone in your household. Can you tell a story of a time where you've been at a loss for words? Can you find a psalm that communicates the sadness, anger, helplessness, wonder, or joy to fit your situation? Write these thoughts down or discuss them with a friend or member of your family. Earlier, we reflected on Jesus saying words from Psalm 22. Today, we see him saying words from Psalm 35. Why do you think Jesus keeps going back to the Psalms, keeps using words that are not his own from the cross? When things around you are hard or sad, what helps you get through? How might Jesus' words from the cross difficult as they are, also give us hope. In the past seven weeks, we have considered the different sayings that Jesus said before his death on the cross. Which stands out to you the most? Is it the time of thirst? Is it the admitting of being forsaken? Is it the trust of the last words in Luke or one of the others? How might one of those sayings be God's invitation to become a more fully alive human? Follow through on what the Spirit stirs in your mind and in your soul. could roll back the time and start at the beginning again knowing all we would find would be walk through it over again maybe it's true that we were out of So would you, or would I, have come to this table if we weren't blind? To eat from this bread and to drink from this wine, do you think we have the courage again? What the answer will be 
this place Maybe it's true That we're still out of our minds But oh, would you, would I Forfeit this love Could we forfeit this life Thanks for joining us. We trust that you have found yourself more fully alive in the image of Jesus as you have practiced resurrection with us over the last weeks. And we hope that you will experience an ever-increasing glory of resurrection in the days to come. Before we go, please pray the following words with me. O Christ, by praying for those who crucified you, you lead us to forgive without counting the cost. O Christ, by opening paradise to the repentant thief, you awaken hope in us. O Christ, by remaining faithful until death, you show us the road to greater love. O Christ, by taking the burden of sin upon yourself, you reveal to us the way of generosity. O Christ, come and help our weak faith. O Christ, Create a pure heart in us. Renew and strengthen our spirit. O Christ, your word is near. May it live within us that we might live in you. Amen. To him who is able to keep you from falling to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to him who is able to keep you from falling to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages and now and forevermore.